Hello, welcome to the Weight Endurance Podcast, formerly known as the Session 6 Podcast. I am your host, Cody Waite, sitting across the table here from my lovely co-host, Kathy Waite. Hi there, everybody. Uh, so we mentioned in our last episode, um, episode 22, that we're in the midst of rebranding, um, having kind of basically sold Session 6, CrossFit anyway, to uh, Coach Sean. And he's actually doing his rebranding party tonight, mm-hmm. this is Friday as we record. Uh, he's going to announce the new name of the of the gym. Um, and uh, it was sad to see the our really cool mural on the wall, <laughs> Session 6 mural on the wall get painted over. But we had four really great years with Session 6. And yeah, it was good stuff. Yeah, we decided we wanted to put all our eggs into the endurance cycling training basket mm-hmm. and and get our we devo team created which we've done and loving that yeah we wouldn't have had time to put the energy into the the junior team if we were still trying to run a crossfit gym too exactly so actually i feel super grateful for sean definitely he's yeah doing, he's doing a wonderful job yeah he's doing a great job on the crossfit side of things so there'll be a new name to the gym that we train at here in lakewood colorado um and session six is kind of like fading away essentially and mm-hmm. weight endurance is now our new brand um officially moving forward it's kind of been that way the last year slowly introducing it but mm-hmm. quietly um, under the table yeah so we're in the midst so the we'll get a new logo for the podcast um that'll be you know weight endurance and all that um it's, it takes a little time that way and we'll be doing new updating our website and all that kind of stuff so don't be confused um weight endurance is or was session six and It'll we all are make we, sense. and it's we are all we. good. Right. <laughs> yeah, so thanks for following along. Um, our podcast here, as it's been, is uh, brought to you by our 2020 Base Builder Program, our 15th year of doing this, which is super cool, taking you through our annual off-season base training thought processes and training progressions to make you a fitter and faster rider by spring. So we do our Base Builder Program in-house at Session 6, Um as well as our remote base builder program, which uh, many of our listeners are, are par- taking part in. Um, and then we also have our training plans available on Training Peaks, too, that are very much in line with what we, we talk about on this podcast. So um, thanks for tuning in. Uh, we are into, what episode? Episode 23 um, of, our, of our podcast. Um, today we want to talk about uh, moving into uh, phase three of our strength base um, so our base builder program has two components. It has the cycling, the structured cycling workouts, and then our uh, highly structured strength training pro- programming that we have. And there's four phases to that. Um, and we're going to talk specifically about phase three, because that's what we just moved into yep. this, this week, um, into the new year being January. Um, so we want to talk about that. And then we'll prior to that, we'll talk about kind of well, the specifics of um, base builder week 21 if you're following our remote base builder plan or in our in-house program so we'll cover some of the details of that as well right right and can people can listeners still jump into the remote base builder program oh yeah definitely and this is actually a really good time where we've just transitioned in january into um, sort of the second block of the structured cycling workout so we're mm-hmm. we're working on kind of the upper aerobic end, the higher intensity aerobic end of things on the bike. Um, do it, getting into anaerobic threshold workouts that we did this week, and we'll talk more about that for next week's coming up here. Um, and then, like we said, you you can 
jump into the strength training at this phase, you might not get as much out of it had you started many weeks ago at the beginning. Mm -hmm. But you certainly can. It's very suitable to begin at this level as well um, if you're newer to it. And there's instructions on how to do that too. So long story short, yeah, you can definitely still join in the remote base builder. In fact, we have the, the remaining two months of base builder and the first two months of what we call our race prep programming um, available through Training Peaks. Uh, it's 199 bucks for basically January through April to kind of it's a steal kickstart yeah i think it's yeah, a great deal that's great so, okay so check it out there'll be links in the show notes of how to get signed up for that if you're interested um but let's let's get to it yeah what have we been up to cody wait um well we we got back from a big two weeks of traveling for mm-hmm. the holidays our big uh training camp with the we development team which we talked about in the last episode Lots of stress there. I've come. We both have sort of come down with some mild colds. If you yeah, can't tell, yeah, we sound funny today. I'm a little nasally today. Well, thankfully the colds are mild, and honestly, I feel lucky that that's what we escaped with because all three of our kids had had nasty versions of the cold, and one True. of the kids on the team came down with the flu at the end. Right. So to just have a mild cold this week, I'll take it. I'll take it, and I'll put a big shout out to our 10, 10 year strong sponsor, Asia. Um, as contributing to that, I think. I think both of us, whenever we feel a little run down and something might be coming on, mm-hmm. we pound, we double down on the ASEA, uh, drink a ton out of it, and, you know, it, it really does. We firmly believe, I firmly believe. Yeah, it's that. like magic, and I, I probably aren't allowed to say the word magic, but it is. <laughs> right. Because I don't exactly know what it's doing on the cellular, cellular I can never say cellular. that word, cellular level, but it's like magic. Yeah, it's really cool. I mean, my under, simple understanding of it is it helps our cells communicate, or what they call it signal better, cell signaling mm-hmm. more effectively. So it just helps your whole body work together better from a cellular level, and think that plays a big part in keeping us healthy but also times like this where we know we're struggling fighting something it's minimized i mean it was something that maybe could have turned into a sore throat and a bad cough to you know knock on wood it's just going to stay in my nose and i already feel better after drinking quite a bit of it yesterday so um, well you skipped yesterday's workout i was actually able to do tuesday and thursday's bike sessions at about 90 percent 95 percent capacity so Uh, for me, this week has just been about trying to get back to normal life, um, unpacking my bags, doing the laundry, cleaning the house, going to the grocery store, yeah, getting the dogs. It was bathed. a lot to catch. Yeah, when you're gone for two weeks, catch up. Yeah, you and... come back. It was a lot. So I feel worn out, but you know we have a weekend coming up today, tonight, and um, not tons on the the schedule. So hopefully we can have some downtime and be ready to tackle the next week with more energy. Yeah, I think so. And that's exactly what we prescribe sick or not sick to our uh, to our junior team is like we did that huge overload week and this mm-hmm. week was very much intentional to be super easy and absorb all that training that they did. Um, and mostly our job as coaches is to tell the kids to hold them back, right? To hold them back, right? Yeah. Last night when Jack showed up, one of our youth writers, um, he said, I said, Jack, I'm sorry to tell you, you can't go hard on your intervals today. And he had a sad face. He's too (laughs) kind and respectful of a kid to like throw a fit. But I saw a look pass his face and he said, but why? I I feel good. Yeah. I'm like, sorry, bud. Trust the process. Actually, his buddy Henry yelled from the other side of the room. Trust the process. Exactly. 
Yeah, it's uh, but I love that scene in the youthful enthusiasm of like they want to yeah. oh, go go go. But yeah, like you said, our job is as coaches is usually to hold people back, especially the the younger athletes. So um, he'll be glad he did in several more weeks down the road. So right, because um, you have to think of it the season as super long, and I'm I'm glad he feels theoretically good now. But if he doesn't take some time to have some milder workouts, he won't feel like going hard in the summer. Exactly. And that's when it's super important. So. Well, I do want to say that, like, Sophia, our daughter, has had a struggle this week to um, just, like, re- just to understand that it's she's going to feel crappy this week. Yeah. Like, she doesn't feel good, and she's, like, mad, mad and like, kind of frustrated and angry that she doesn't feel good yet. But... Thankfully, she's open to having conversations about it, and she, you know, listened to me yesterday when I had to give her a little talking to mm-hmm. in the middle of class. Um, she's getting over cold. She biked 330 miles. I don't even know how many thousand feet of climbing, um, and she just needs more time to recover. Yeah. She she thinks she's superhuman, which I'm glad she thinks that about herself, but the truth is she's just a human like the rest of us and has to take time to recover. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, and that was built into the plan. I mean, we knew we yeah. were building up all fall for this big training camp week where we were, all of us were going to push ourselves to our endurance limits, and which we did. And uh, it was known that they're going to not feel good, d- meaning like dead legs and yeah, yeah. just not much energy and pep for at least a week, maybe 10 days until they sort of round the corner and feel good again. Well, Sophia so. feels very competitive with me, which... I feel towards her and she sits next to me in the bike class and she'd look over and see me going hard on the intervals and almost hitting my numbers and she, she was getting so mad like well why are you doing this and why can you do this when you were at the bike camp and I can't do it I'm like whoa kiddo first of all I only did 200 miles remember I skipped Thursday one ride, and I shortened one ride yeah so I had to explain to her that she literally had Ten, eight to ten more hours of training last week than I did. Right. So I'm just catching back, like back up to where she is, or like I don't need as much rest because she had eight or ten more hours in the bank. Right. And she's like, oh yeah. Yeah. They, I mean, she doesn't. It's easy to forget yeah, that. Yeah. Stuff. So we're not seeing. And it. Very interesting, really, to have these conversations with her. Yeah. Okay. Well, we have quite a few questions that came in. Okay. Um, so I'm going to start with question number one from Manolo de Ono Albert. Hopefully I'm pronouncing his name correctly. He's writing from Costa Rica. Costa Rica. Okay. And he says, to whom it may concern, I am from Costa Rica, Rica and I want to race La Ruta de los Conquistadores oh, cool. in 2020. The event date is usually in the end of October and beginning of November. I am currently training with a coach in Costa Rica, but I'm not satisfied with him. That's why I'm interested in training with you guys. Best regards, Manolo. Cool. So I think he's looking for some training advice. Yeah, he was asking about a training plan for La Ruta. Yeah, so La Ruta is a pretty well-known mountain bike race. It's a multi-day stage race through or across Costa Rica. I don't know the exact details, but... Um, and it's known to be extremely rugged. Yeah, arduous days. Yeah. And lots the, of climbing, bad weather. Yeah, it's usually muddy, and there's, like, long, extended hike-a-bike steep sections, and it's, like, a tough man's kind of race. So it's, it's really or cool. Or tough woman's. Or tough woman's. Um, yeah, it's uh, pretty well known. It's been around for 20-plus years. Yeah, I think our buddy Josiah Midov did it last year or the year before. 
I think a few, several years okay, ago. Okay, I lost track. Yeah, but he, yeah, he so has done it. What did you recommend to him for our training plans? Um, so for a race like that, um, I mean, he, being it's uh, end of October, I mean, he has like a whole year to build up. I suggested um, getting on our 24-week base builder program. Um, that was a no-brainer. So that's basically what we're doing in our remote base builder program. It's just available as a training plan through Training Peaks, and so you can start and finish whenever you want. So he can kind of adjust that in the Training Peaks, and it, they also come in a low volume option and a high volume option. Mm-hmm. So depending on how much time per week he has available to train, what his experience level, which if he's doing Laruda, you know he must be at least intermediate if if, if not advanced. Um, so that is something he could decide. Um, and so that would basically get him through like to midsummer. Um, and then following that, getting on to one of our uh, 12 week ultra endurance race prep plans would be oh, yeah, that the next sounds step. Great. Um, and again, those are also available in low and high volume options. And they take you through um, kind of pick up where base builder leaves off at the high intensity end of things. Mm-hmm and then works down the energy system intensity ladder back out towards the race. And so being an ultra-endurance event, meaning like all-day endurance is like the prime prime, uh, energy system, over those 12 weeks it works back out to like the volume increases, the intensity decreases Mm -hmm. as he goes and um, ultimately leads him to be in amazing shape you know, a couple of weeks before the race and then tapers and kind of peaks going into it. So, um, I mean, I think that, that would be the, definitely the, the way to go. Did you do the math to find out if that's the exact number of weeks he needs or, or how, it, how it does been one pretty close. adjust it? Like, could he just re- say he needed 13 or 14 weeks instead of the 12 weeks? Would he just like duplicate a week or two in there? Yeah. If you need more time, you duplicate. If you need less time, you can trim some weeks, but I mean, a six-month base builder and a three-month race prep, that's nine months. And so oh, yeah, that would get about, us through September. So, yeah, he could just do easy miles through January and then maybe start in February. And that would take him right up to the race. Okay. So um, that's what's really cool. And all of these plans, actually, by the way, are reusable. So when you purchase them, and it downloads into your own training plan library in your Training Peaks account. And it's yours, and you can repeat them. Um, year after year and you can also set the start and or the end date of each Mm -hmm. of the plans so depending on when your goal events are you know you adjust things accordingly but so if he does Laruda this year and he really loved the training and next year he does I don't know some other ultra event um, he could do the same plan assuming he liked it and just set the dates accordingly and go from there so it you can kind of you get a lot of bang for your buck on those yeah that's awesome uh, All right, well, thanks, Manolo. Um, keep in touch with us. Best of luck. Yeah, let us know how it goes. Yeah, we'll Good reach a, well, our buddy Ian Lee. He has been trying to get us to do that one. I'm just oh, not sure. Want to do that one? Yeah, I just don't know about the hike a bike through mud. That's not my thing. Yeah, it's like you got your equipment has to be, yeah, it's just a lot of yeah. logistics. <laughs> I like stage racing, but I don't know about it's pretty rugged. That rugged. Yeah. Right? <laughs> we'll see. Okay, question number two that comes from our, our local friend, Jeff Foster. He's doing our remote plan. No, actually, he's, oh, he's doing... Not? He's he's So he's done a little unique. He okay. purchased our 12-week base builder, um, I want to say 12 or so weeks ago. He's already gone through it. Okay. And now he's repeating it a second time. So it's oh, a little different strategy. Oh, that's what his question's about. Yeah, so okay. he's there 
case in point, he's reusing that and redoing it. Um, so I think he had like more questions. Yeah, about right. It. So let me just start with what he said. Um, following the 12 week repeat base beginning on January 20th, my ATP or annual training plan calls for an eight week build. My plan is to cut the 10 week gravel Fondo tr- stock plan a little short to eight weeks for the build portion of my ATP. Do you agree with this plan? And then a side note, hey, the sound quality is way better since episode 18. Oh, cool. That's good to hear. Yeah, we've been working on that. And thanks to our buddy John Sisk that's coming along. Yeah, I think we've dialed in the audio pretty good. But that's good to hear that it went well. So I think his question is more about he's he's going to be finishing his base builder. Um, the one he's repeating. The one he's repeating. And then he's he has eight weeks to build towards his A race. Um, and he wants to use the 10-week Gravel Fondo race prep plan. Um, okay. So that's a good call. So basically he's saying, I want, I'm going to follow this 10-week plan, but I only have eight weeks to do it. Okay. Probably, and how do I do that? So I think the best way to do that is remove or cut off the first two weeks of the race prep plan. So make sure you get all the base builder. And then when you go to set the start date or just set the end date of your race prep plan on your A race and it'll leave the first two weeks off of the of the It won't cut off the last two weeks, it'll always take off the first yeah, week or two. I believe so. I believe okay. that is correct. But at any rate, because the last two weeks of all the race prep plans are basically like a taper and then sort of like a, a peak week going in. So okay. those last two weeks are critical for the race prep. But the first two weeks are the two you could potentially remove if you needed to compress. Well, the especially time. if you're coming off one of the other plans that that merges right into exactly, race prep plan. and that's exactly why. So because okay. you'll, it's not really an overlap, but it's an unnecessary. Well, it's not unnecessary. It would be ideal, but it's if you're gonna trim something, you could trim that because okay. the base builder will have just touched on what you'd be cutting off. Okay, anyway. that makes sense. So, so yeah, to answer Jeff's question. If you're going to trim our race prep plan, trim the first week or two weeks and then finish out um, accordingly. Okay. Awesome. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah. Glad to have you so involved. It's really cool. Um, Third question comes from Barrett Fisher. Hello, I was looking at your... Let me start over. Hello, I was looking at your Xterra training plans, the complete program, on training peaks, and I have a question. It states that the volume can be adjustable. Would that be done within the Training Peaks app once the program is purchased to get in more? Also, is there a way to make it 30 to 32 weeks in the app once purchased? Thank you, Barrett. Okay. Good question. So, um, so yeah, all of our training plans are, quote, adjustable, uh, meaning you the, the volume, how much riding you do is adjustable. So you can adjust it up, you can adjust it down. The way you do that is manually on your own. And the best way to do that in general is just adding on either a longer warm-up to individual workouts and or a longer cool-down to individual workouts, especially if it's a structured uh, interval workout. Oh, to make the volume more or less? Yeah, make the ride longer, essentially. So what I'm getting at reading his question is like he he wants to maximize his volume or increase the hours of riding. So that's the way you do it. So you, you don't do more intervals. You just do more warm-up and or cool-down. 
Well, it's sort of like the noon bonus session we've talked about that our noon class in-house does, mm -hmm. that we just add on 40, 45 minutes at the end, and it's right. not hard. I mean, it actually feels hard because you're tired, but we're not going hard. We're right. keeping it's it aerobic, pretty chill. Extra aerobic work. Um, so yeah, so, you, so anyone can do that, um, and you do that once you have the plan uploaded into your training peaks. Um, now, one little caveat on that is more isn't always better. It often is, but it isn't always. So you have to be sure that you're able to get the main part of the training accomplished, meaning if you do all this extra volume for a couple of weeks and then eventually like you're finding the intervals really hard to complete on target, it's possible you're just doing too much and you need to reduce the volume or mm -hmm. get it back down to sort of the normal range. Um, but you know, if you can hit your targets on the interval sets while adding that volume, then maybe you're fine with that extra volume. But it's easy to think like, I want to do more, it'll make me better. Mm -hmm. But that's not always the case. It's, maybe every other week you do more. That's an option too, yeah. Um, but my words of wisdom is, is always, you want to do just enough training to get the effect that you're looking for and not any more, because any more just makes you more tired. Um, right, right. And maybe so. prone to catching a cold. Right, exactly. <laughs> well, he asked about extending um, the Xterra Complete program to 30 to 32 weeks. What What is it right now, as is? Uh, if I remember right, it's a 25-week, like from the beginning to race day, like base okay. to race. It's 25 weeks. Um, this is a version two where I had like the whole, I had like the base and the build and, and the race prep all like into one Together. thing. Okay. I believe it's 25 weeks. Um, so he wants to extend it like five to seven weeks. Is there a way to do that? Uh, there is. Um, again, you have to do it manually, but what I would recommend is just adding more of the early phases of the base part. You know, the you could kind of do like the first five weeks or really the first four weeks, then maybe take a recovery week and then re and then start again at the beginning mm. and repeat those first four weeks again to add more. So it's always best if you're going to extend something, extend it on the early side when the intensity is low, when you're doing a lot of the learning movements, it's usually more skill-based, um, pardon me, and things like that. So it, that's much better than trying to like tack on extra weeks of intensity um, because we can only do as humans so many weeks of intensity until like we sort of hit a peak and it's just going to tire us out more rather than actually make us fitter and faster where the low intensity base for the most part you can do as much of that as you want until mm -hmm. you sort of get bored with it <laughs> um without negative effects okay. so repeat the early stuff um and then you'll just build that you'll just essentially build a little bit bigger base i think that's a great um way to tackle it super wise uh, it reminds me of a conversation i had I think it was yesterday, no, Wednesday in the strength program with Brian Potts. Okay. He's been talking about training with a buddy at work, um, encouraging him to check out the remote plan or oh, a stock cool. plan. Yeah. But the his his coworker is kind of looks at training sort of like I'd say like, like the typical way, like, well oh and he watches what Brian does on Strava and he's like, Brian, why are you doing so many like aerobic miles and low intensity on the weekends? And he's not getting the concept of Less is more, um, keep your heart rate low and all the benefits of that. And he's the kind of guy that if he goes out and he has an hour, 20 minutes to rise by, he's going like to yeah. crush it and kill it. 
Um, but I love Brian for trying to you right. know, explain it to him and, yeah, and, yeah. and you know, yeah. encourage well, you, him to try it this way. Yeah. Yeah, the guy obviously likes the adrenaline, endorphins, and whatnot. They come with like pushing yourself really hard, yeah. you know, which a lot of people do. But yeah, for long term gains and overall actual fitness improvement, more base is better, and um, and you know you can only handle. I think they say something to the tune of like six weeks of high intensity. Like if you're gonna do VO two max type training, six weeks is about the longest we can sustain and improve when you go beyond that you just kind of like crest the peak of performance and then you start to slide down and like deteriorate mm. after that like you, okay. you'll get burned out or you'll fatigue your adrenals or whatever and yeah so that kind of like five to six weeks of really high intensity stuff is about all we can handle and probably better is more like four weeks mm-hmm. before going into like an a race so um so yeah you can't go hard all the time no. what you just mentioned <laughs> Uh, getting bored in the base stuff. Well, maybe some people like myself were thinking that before we left for break. And then this week we started doing more intense intervals and it was painful and I'm kind of missing the easier work already. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Next question. Blaine Haskell, an old um, contact of ours. Cody, we met several years ago when I was involved with the adrenaline cycles team in Highlands Ranch. Oh yeah. I remember. Yeah. Good guy. I have started to mountain bike quite a bit again, and I want to build strength for the upcoming season. Maybe race the Bailey Hundito. I am looking at the 12-week base builder and strength plan. My questions relate to the strength plan and my lower back issues. I have some degenerative lower disc problems in my back. Would you recommend your strength plan for someone with lower back issues? Is there some modification to exercises or exercises to avoid in this case? Thank you for any insight or ideas you can share, Blaine. Yeah, great question. I think a lot of people probably have something well, And similar. I'll just say I thought it was super cool that he reached out to you after all these years. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's way, that's six or seven years ago when we were partnered with Adrenaline Cycles, which no longer exists, and had a, like an adult team going. Yeah, there. And they were great down there. Yeah, they really were. Um, but yeah, to answer his question, I highly recommend our strength plan for anyone with really any kind of issues, but back issues in particular. I mean, both you and I have our own back issues. Mm-hmm. You have two level spinal fusion. I had a severe herniated disc and spinal stenosis. And through the strength training, I think we can both say we're more or less pain free. Um, and I dedicate that heavily to the strength training we do. Right. But we should caution that you know, Blaine or anyone else with with a known issue should have sought medical advice, should be um, cleared for exercise from a doctor True. and or a physical therapist. Yeah. And we are not physical therapists. Um, you, you definitely could get, like, further help from a physical therapist who could make sure, like, you have the, the baseline core strength because you can't, you can't, you know, jump into something too quickly, um, you know, make sure that you're really ready to go for even our program, which starts easy and builds up. But I, I want to make sure that that's really clear. We are not doctors. We're not physical therapists. Um, and we can certainly offer some modifications, but just be cleared with a doctor first. Right. Absolutely. And I think in general, you know, when people speak of back pain or knee pain or whatever it is, more times than not, it's comes from a weakness of some Mm -hmm. sort. Muscles aren't working correctly or they're just weak. Mm-hmm. And strengthening them is the way to go. So oh, for sure. That's a big yeah. part. 
of our program. Well, on our trip a couple weeks ago to Arizona, I was a mess when we first got down there, if you remember. My back was killing me. We had driven the car for 14 hours, and it hurt so badly I was starting to panic like something was wrong. We went to the gym, did one string session for an hour, and it cured it. Yeah, it's like a corrective physical therapy session, yeah. essentially, yeah. Um, yeah, so we highly recommend it. And in fact, I think with Blaine specifically, you guys are setting up an appointment where you're going to take him through the exercises. and. Well, hopefully, if, if he wants to take us up on that offer, yeah, I'd be show happy. Yeah, how to modify Yeah, it. I got to do that on Wednesday with another client, uh, Jack Roseberry, um, who we're going to talk about in a second because he emailed a question about the AT, uh, the power test for the bike. Um, but I'm happy to meet with local people who need a little bit of help figuring out which exercises would be best for them. I mean, Jack specifically actually just wanted kind of a more of a simplified version for when he travels for work. Mm -hmm. And so that was very fun to go over with him. But yeah, if anybody else there wants some help, I'm happy to meet with them. Okay. Thanks, Blaine. Um, yeah, so the last question is from Jack. Uh, he says, thank you, Cody. I, I completed the bike test today and it's in training peaks will an ftp be set by you and will that affect my further training peaks workouts the first test i uh, when i did the first test i did not submit the form thank you as i'm learning the system and the process okay uh, yeah so this was from a couple weeks ago when we wrapped up the, the end of the training block before the holiday break and we did our test um so he's a remote athlete and doing it at home. So when you do this on the remote program at home, you have the spreadsheet where you enter in the test data um, and it spits out all your zones. And mm -hmm. it'll give you an FTP number um, to enter into Training Peaks. I'm not a huge FTP fan, so to speak. Um, it relates more closely to what we call our 64-minute power energy system, which is sort of the low end of anaerobic threshold. But that number's in there. Um, the thing to do is take that number and make sure it's updated in your training peaks. And if you have it anywhere else, like in Zwift or in your Wahoo account or whatever, just update it so everything stays up updated. And then you should be go good to go. So in training peaks, if you're following erg mode, which again, I don't necessarily recommend. I like slope or level mode. Um, but if you are doing that, it will um, adjust accordingly from that FTP number. So you just have to make sure everything, once you have the test data, update everything. Right. Um, but you have to do that yourself if you're on the remote base builder program. Or even for our in-house athletes, I help them figure out the zones, but it's still up to them to go into their training peaks. You're not going to go into everybody's update. training peaks account and no. update it? <laughs> <laughs> it's hard enough keeping up with all our redevelopment writers um, doing that. Um, so yeah, it is up to you that way. Um, so it does affect what you're doing, um, and this is a good segue actually into the next topic here in our in our show today, which is um, Base Builder Week 21, and that we do need to know this week and the weeks moving forward what our energy system power zones are, mm -hmm. uh, because each workout, the main set of intervals will relate specifically to a watt range or specific number. Um, so I think that answered Jack Roseberry's question about that. Get your test data, update the spreadsheet, and then take that and update um, into your training peaks. <clears throat> so we'll, we'll kind of keep trucking along here, move into 2020 Base Builder Week 21. Um, week 20, which was this week, this last week, we started 
block two of the mm-hmm. indoor structure workouts where we were focusing on the anaerobic threshold, which is the low end of anaerobic threshold or lactate threshold is another term for it. So we deem our anaerobic threshold to be 32 minute to 64 minute power. Meaning if you were to do a 32 minute to 64 minute time trial, that's going to fall right in line with your anaerobic or lactate threshold. We're going to target, and your FTP generally falls in there somewhere, depending on the individual. So we're right now we're targeting that 64-minute power, um, and the intervals are designed around 16-minute uh, chunks at that 64-minute power. Um, this week, we broke it down into really small interval, kind of mini intervals within the main intervals to allow us to kind of ease into this workload. So we started on two, this Tuesday this week, we did eight times two minutes with 30 seconds recovery, like little mini recoveries um, to get the 16 minutes worth of work. And then we had a bigger break and then did a second round of the 16 minute mm-hmm. intervals. Um, on Thursday, so yesterday, we increased that to four by four minutes with 60 second recovery. So extending the duration that we're holding that 64 minute power. And then coming into week 21, coming up, it's going to continue the same pattern. We're going to go two times eight minutes with two-minute recoveries. Mm. It'll be definitely Lordy. tougher. Yeah, it's a, and it's as much a mental thing, too, <laughs> of being able to like hold that. Because that is a long time on the trainer, particularly. Mm-hmm. And then Thursday next week, it'll be just two 16-minute straight-through intervals. And that gets really tough, um, mentally, if nothing else. Um, yeah, it's one thing to like climb up the fire road over at Green Mountain for 10, 12 minutes, but to do it on the trainer is really painful. It is tough. So there, But there are some tricks to it. I mean, doing things like, um, well, first of all, if you're, we did this in, in-house um, in that slope mode or level mm-hmm. mode, which I think is great. Yeah, thank God. I, I think we all needed that this week. Yeah, I think it's way more realistic to riding outside because your trainer isn't controlling you. So erg mode is like what's popular with smart trainers where – it's going to say you're going to do X percent of your FTP. In this case, it would basically be right around 100% of what we're calling FTP for those durations. And it, But the ERG mode wants to kind of lock you into an ideal cadence of around 90 to make the calculations work. And it, I, I just don't like the feel. To me, it's like running on the treadmill. It's right. like it's good. It's really good training, and it's very controlled and precise, but it also has like this artificial feeling to it. And, and it doesn't allow for people's preferences if they feel more comfortable right. at 80, 85 cadence. Right. And they get stuck in that oatmeal feel and they can't, they can't maintain exactly what they're supposed to be holding. Exactly. So I think doing these in this level mode, slope mode, is going to be great. And I'd highly recommend people at least try it at home. Yeah, I mean, erg is cool, but I think this is so much better. Um, so moving forward... Um, Lost track here. So yeah, we'd already talked about this week, coming weeks, um, intervals. So some tips on it too is um, we want to keep our heart rate within reason around right. 90% of max. Yeah, I'm really glad you said that because I was struggling this week, you know, still having this cold a little bit and and we're going to get into this too. I'm not sure my FTP is accurate. It might be a little high. Um I, I kept track of where my heart rate was and backed it off because you you, you know you said don't go more than 90 92%. So I just kept it there and 
because I didn't want to make my cold worse either. Right. Um, and so this week that we just are completing with those shorter kind of mini intervals within this main 16 minutes, we're designed in such a way to basically regulate and help keep your heart rate under control because mm-hmm. those little breaks, the little recovery intervals inside the main interval allowed you, if your heart rate was creeping up too much, to kind of come back down. And it kept your heart rate down over the course of the total 16 right, minutes. Right. So as we move into this coming week with eight-minute intervals and then eventually the full 16 minutes straight through, it's going to become more challenging. Mm. So if people are unable to keep their heart rate in check, especially because now we're in slope mode, you can effectively take those little breaks at, at will, as needed. So mm-hmm. if your heart rate starts climbing up to above 90%, just stop pedaling for 20 seconds or 30 seconds. Get a little recovery. Picture yourself like you're going down a little descent or something, and then pick it back up again. Pardon me. So if your heart rate gets up, let's say 165 is 90%, it gets up to 165 if it gets a couple beats above, just back off for 20 or 30 seconds. Let it maybe dip down to 155 or 158 or whatever, and mm-hmm. then get back into it, pick it back up, and get going again. Um, the reason we don't want to get much above 90% of max heart rate is because it's just too stressful on our body. You know, We're trying to train every day or almost every day and have training be just hard enough to stimulate the energy system we're wanting to train, but without pushing beyond that and creating extra need for recovery or, you know, screwing up our hormones excessively, you know, cortisol and all these things that kind of suppress um, the absorption of the training and those sorts of things. So we want to make this training just hard enough to get the adaptations we're looking for, but no harder than that to delay things. Yeah, I was exhausted enough <laughs> just doing what was required Yeah, um, after the workout. Right. So as these intervals get longer, if you find you need those little mini breaks to keep heart rate in check, just, just take them. So, but does that mean your FTP is too high or your 64-minute power is not what you had hoped it was or what the test showed it was? Yeah, good question. So, If you can't keep your heart rate down? Right. That is a, that is a good likely probable thing that's happening. So if you're finding within these 16-minute intervals that your heart rate's getting a 90% before the halfway mark, yeah, yeah, within the first few minutes, chances are the the number's too high. So how did it get too high? It's something happened when you tested, if you're using our test method, where you're testing something was like either really good or more likely like you didn't push hard enough in um, one of the parts. In one of the parts. So our testing, and you have to go back and listen how we do it, but we have a four-minute and a one-minute anaerobic effort. And between those two, we find the fatigue rate of how much the power declines from the high one-minute power to the slightly lower four-minute power. So if you're, if you had an amazing one-minute power and your four-minute power was good, but maybe not as amazing, it can result in a fatigue rate that's artificially high, I'm sorry, artificially, sorry, I have it backwards. If your four minute was amazing and your one minute wasn't as amazing, Mm -hmm. and this can happen if you really gun it for the four minute and you're still kind of gassed and don't have much or you're now like gun shy for the one minute, Mm -hmm. then your your fatigue rate is artificially low, which results in a 64 minute power that's 
a little higher than it probably actual actually is. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, I thought I thought if your four minute power was really really good and your one minute power was mediocre, that that meant your um, fatigue rate was low. Yes. Oh, you said high. Okay, it means your fatigue rate is low. Low. And that results in a, a higher 64 minute power. Okay. And that's kind of what happened to Sophia the first time she did the test. Yeah, she killed herself on the four minute. Yeah, the Olympic gold medal had, was one. Yeah, had like the most amazing four minute. But then she was both, I think, gun shy from going so hard. <laughs> and had nothing left. Really. And was kind of tired from it that yeah. her one minute wasn't as good as it probably normally would be. Okay, so then her fatigue rate was low. Like unnaturally low, and then her FTP was higher than it probably truly is. Right, because your fatigue rate is a slope, a, a declining slope. I'm okay. a picture a graph, declining as durations increase. So it's from four minutes to eight minutes to sixteen to thirty-two to sixty-four. That's how we come up with those numbers. Okay. And so if that slope is shallow or low. It's the decrease is going to be less, meaning as you go out further, the numbers will be higher as opposed to uh, right, if the right, slope right. was steeper, that line would be steeper, declining, and you'd have a lower 64-minute uh, power as it went out. There. Right. Okay. So she actually didn't do the test in December because she had a cold. This, this was her test in October. So she's next week, after having rested this week, going to try to do those numbers. But after how she felt this week, she's kind of nervous that she won't be able to hit, I think it was 214. Okay. If she can't hit 214, what do you think she should do? Well, then you want to probably just back things off. You can almost go to where, pay attention as you're doing these intervals and see what the power is with your heart rate at 90% of max. And odds are that's going to be right around what your 64-minute power or your FTP probably is. So most people have an overly inflated FTP regardless of the testing they do Mm -hmm. um, for many reasons, and we won't go down that rabbit hole, but you have to stop and seriously ask yourself, especially as you're doing these intervals, because in theory, you should be able to hold this power output. Now, for an hour, now that has to be in a a rested and, not rested, but a race and like highly motivated scenario because it would be a maximum effort. (laughs) But if the thought of like holding that, power even for 30 minutes straight seems impossible, then the number's probably too high. Right. I experienced that myself this week. I'm gonna and I'm testing it out again on Tuesday of next week to see if it, it was just because I don't feel super great. Right. But my FTP was supposed to be, air quotes, 222. Um, and I found myself super struggling on Tuesday. It was pathetic. Then yesterday I, I was basically holding about 212 as an average. Okay. Okay, so that might be my FTP. I'm yeah. totally fine with it. Yep. Um, but I'm going to give it one more go on Tuesday and just see. Yeah. And the caveat here is that it, pretty much any test to find your FTP or your power zones, is a you're, we're doing some shorter version of, of the test and then extrapolating a percentage off or, or a fatigue rate in our case of to calculate what this number is. So short of actually going and going as hard as you can for an hour, which no one wants to do. Mm-mm. It's all kind of an estimate, so we have to be able to like identify and adjust and massage things a little bit to find what's actually right. The get your level. ego out of it. And yeah, be get your wise. ego out, ego out, um, and be wise and really ask yourself: Can you do this? Because in reality, you should be able to do four sixteen-minute intervals with five, four, five, six minutes recovery in between, 
both where the first two are very manageable. Right. The third one is tough and the fourth one is really hard, but you can do it. Yeah. So if you can't do that or the thought of doing that just seems impossible, then your number's too high. And you need to like lower it down, maybe start with 10%. Right. You know, back I, it I off. I think that's what will happen with my yeah. numbers and Sophia's. And see how it goes, and then maybe bump it up a little. But, but inversely, um, like Bill, our coup, right? he had a decent four-minute test mm-hmm. and then absolutely crushed the one-minute test. Right. Like nailed it. Because he's gotten stronger, and I think he's also opening his whole horizon to... Going really hard, yeah. which is great because he's, he's one of those like, like diesel engines. Yeah, he can ride all day at a good steady pace, mm-hmm. you know, with the best of them. But the idea now he's getting the grasp of like going really hard for short bits. So, so yeah, then, his one minute. Yeah. Was so then what happened? Huge. Let, me, let me see if I can figure this out. That means his fatigue rate was high. Right. And then his FTP was unnaturally low or estimated incorrectly low. Yeah, underestimated low. So you told him to do what? So he did Tuesday's workout and decided, like, hey, I was only getting my heart rate, I forget what he said, but, like, up to maybe 85% of max in these. And it was a little too easy. So we said, okay, well, let's bump it up 10%. So he was sort of in the minority there, I think, Mm -hmm. of, like, needing to bump it up a little bit. Okay. Um, And he did it, I think, on Thursday, and I think he said it was perfect, so we... We nailed it. So in a nutshell, when you're doing these intervals, you should hit 90% of max around maybe halfway into the 16 minutes of the intervals Mm -hmm. um, and shouldn't really exceed much over 92%, Mm -hmm. so a few beats above 90%. And if you do... And this, if you do it real early in the interval, you're probably a little high on your target. Um, and if you're not getting there, you're probably a little underestimated okay. on your target. And just adjust accordingly, a little yeah. bit. And if ever in doubt, I always say it's, you're way better to train 10% under target than just 1% over target. Because that goes back to the idea of doing too much, mm-hmm. screwing with our hormones, extended recovery, all those sorts of things that delays the adapt- adaptations. So you're always better to do a little less than just a a wee bit too much. Right. Um, so on your little list of notes here, you have success tips and you put breathing and relaxing as one of them. Yeah, that's one way to, you can hit power targets and kind of manipulate your heart rate. If you can really stay relaxed, focus on breathing, especially a good strong exhale, that can help at least delay the rise of your heart rate yeah. so you can get further into the intervals. Yeah, I noticed this week I... My shoulders kept coming up, and I was like tense while I was in the two minute or the four minute session. Yeah, which is not normally how I am. Um, I think I was just kind of off this week, and I just had to keep saying like relax yeah. and like loosen my grip on the, right. the handlebars and let my shoulders go down and just I closed my eyes a yeah. lot and right. just did you know how I like to count to ten for my pedal strokes. Yep. I did a lot of that, and it was a huge help. It makes a big difference, and that's one of the little mini benefits of being indoors is you nailed it. Like you can close your eyes. And that helps you kind of relax, too. Mm-hmm. Take a peek to make sure you're still on target. But you, once you get kind of a feel of what that effort is, yeah, you can close your eyes. You take some deep breaths. Still working hard. but mm-hmm. um, And that will kind of suppress, keep your heart rate from climbing too high too quickly kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, um, check check the grip on your handlebars yeah. to make sure you're not squeezing it for dear yeah, life. Yeah, no and, death grip. Um, and I also was messing around with which gear I was in because we were in level mode or slope mode. I... I tend to want to spin my wheels or my pedals like at a hundred cadence, mm-hmm. but I, like I found too. I do. But then I found myself on these intervals being more successful 
with the power output versus heart rate yep. at one harder gear and about more like a 93 cadence. Yeah. What, what would you say about that? Yeah, in general, lower cadence will keep your heart rate a little lower because it, it puts a little more demand on your muscles, mm-hmm. a little less on your heart, so your heart rate will stay a little bit lower versus right. a higher cadence. Okay. Um, so that's preference, but yeah, I mean, I just say try both. Yeah, like, I play did. I, with it. Yeah. As I was warming up into the intervals, like interval one or two, I was doing a little higher cadence, and then I'd go down to a harder gear. Cool, yeah, play around with the cadence a little bit. Um, and then another big thing in making it through especially while we have these mini recovery intervals built in is make the most out of those recovery intervals. So, mm-hmm. um, do as little as possible. And if, even if needed, like stop pedaling for a, a length of time to like, just let your heart rate come down because the lower the heart rate is when you start the next interval, the wider range you have till you hit 90% of Yep, max. exactly. So, um, so definitely make the most of those. Later on in the program when we're doing some anaerobic power, we'll have like limited recovery and we won't have that luxury, but now <laughs> we do. So um, yeah, get let that heart rate come down as quick as possible and as far as possible and that'll set you up for a better next interval. Um, and then the last little one was um, making sure you're fueled appropriately right. with carbohydrates beforehand. So, you know... If you're a morning workout person, at the very least, have a banana or some, you know, a couple hundred grams of carbs before you get started. Um, if you're a lunch noontime athlete like us, we do like a big bowl of oatmeal and some toast, you know, in the hours before from leading into it. If you're an afternoon evening workout person, you know, don't have lunch at noon and then expect to work out at six and nail these. These are a high carbohydrate, high calorie consuming exercises yeah. so like a snack at like an hour or two before yeah i'd say yeah two depending what it is but yeah two hour and a half two hours before some sort of like good quality but higher carbohydrate snack top off your glycogen make sure you're good to go you know if if you're struggling to get that in you know even having a gel mid-workout it's not probably my preference or favorite way to do it but it, it's better than nothing for sure like mm-hmm. if you keep a gel in your workout bag or, or handy so if you or know you're coming into it maybe a little depleted, Take get those sugars in. Yeah, you'll feel so, better. Yeah, you'll feel better. And it, it's it's kind of amazing how much difference. Like if you come in a little undernourished, the <laughs> intervals just feel harder. They're yeah, harder. they do. And you come in like overly nourished and they're actually easier. So, Or, or you can at least achieve them more easily. So um, good. I think we covered a lot of that. I think we covered everything. Yeah, and if it. you have any questions, people, you can post comments or questions about this topic or other topics on our forum endurance.session6.com yeah our, our web addresses have not changed quite yet um, or send an email to cody at session6.com yeah questions are great so keep them coming um, and then week 21 into the gym yep, we've got a lot of changes and that's yeah, kind of stuff. something we want to talk about for a few minutes here uh, moving into this post new year's block phase three of our uh, training program is Focusing more now on stability and power training, where the block two was more about building up kind of raw strength. Um, yeah, stre- uh, phase one was adaptation. Phase two was strength. Phase three, in which we are now, stability and power. So we get to mix it up a little bit. Yeah, it keeps things a little different and um, progressing. So let's spend a few minutes talking about phase three of our base strength 
base builder program. Yeah, the core sets are basically the same. And if you're in class with me, I try to add some um, variations to the movements so we can keep it fresh. Um, the, ma the really noticeable difference right at the beginning is that instead of having traditional push-pull sets, we have um, more like a combo or more complex version of those that we call them core to extremity. Right. So yeah. where we once had things like a push-up set and a pull-up set, mm -hmm. which are very basic, very effective, but basic. Um, now we have, like you said, more complicated, more advanced movements like... Um, for example, for the renegade, a row. renegade row, yeah, that combines the push-ups and a pull, and a, pull a, a bent over row, while engaging your core in a plank position. We had a lot of um, whining about that Did you? on Wednesday. <laughs> Did yeah, you in class? it actually made me feel better because I struggle with this move, yeah. and to watch the youth in the Wednesday night class kind of fuss and moan with the same weights, I was giggling inside. <laughs> so <laughs> nice. It was good. Yeah. Um, so why do we do these core extremity sets? Um, it's a further challenge for our, bo our bodies. When you have core to extremity, I mean, it sort of says it in the name, you have to keep your core, which means everything that doesn't include your limbs, steady, stable, engaged, active, right. while moving weight objects away from your body. With your like limbs, yeah. With your limbs, like... You have your arms extended holding things or your legs are out while you're keeping everything engaged. So it's like a challenge that you shouldn't jump into doing unless your core is stable and, and strong. But um, if you followed our program, you should be ready to, to go to this next level. Right. And they're often also kind of unilateral, meaning like one side mm -hmm. of the body. And in some cases, it's like, forget the term, but where it goes from like your the right side of your upper body. So like your right arm kind of across your body to maybe like the left side of yeah, your lower Yeah, I can't think of it either. I can't right think now. of it either, but but it's definitely it's going like through your body, through your core, mm -hmm. like you said to be super stable and develop that strength and coordination and control. So when we ride our bikes, you know, we we're pushing and pulling on the handlebars as we pull on or sorry, push on the pedals. And then you're also controlling the bike. Mm -hmm. um, Especially in a mountain bike, if you're like whipping around a tree or going up and over a rock. Right. Like you have to you have to be stable and secure like, around your spine and, and your hips and your shoulders right. while doing something with the bike. Exactly. And that's why I really love these quarter extremity sets because I think they're so applicable so to practical. bike riding. And, uh, you know, first we had to build the strength up over the last several weeks mm -hmm. um, in the fall to be able to do these well, and now we get to really practice those. So yeah, so we do have a YouTube channel that shows the movements. Yeah, but we'll run through real quickly. Yeah. Like um, one of my favorites are the heavy carries. Yeah, you love these. So that's where you're carrying usually a a heavy kettlebell mm -hmm. um, in one hand, and there's uh, kind of a, at the side like a suitcase carry version. There's um, overhead, which is more advanced. Um, so you're you're still pushing and pulling per se. But it's like unilateral because the weight's only on one side. And then it's very dynamic because you're walking and you're having to keep that weight balanced and, and everything's engaged. It's like mm -hmm. every muscle in your body is cooperating to make this happen. Um, so those are, are great. Um, and, and you can see the progress um, as you go through the weeks of this. If you, for example, the goblet carry where you hold the kettlebell in front of your chest but not resting on your chest right maybe one the first couple of weeks you're you're holding a 30 pound kettlebell right. and then 
all of a sudden it's 35 and 40 and 45 and that you didn't think that was possible and it's pretty cool to see the progress right yeah that's definitely true um and then you mentioned the renegade rose mm-hmm. so that's probably my single favorite like exercise upper body exercise well, it's classic it just yeah. it hits everything a renegade row you're like say you're holding two dumbbells and you're you're in a push-up position you do a push-up you have to really squeeze your glutes and your tummy and your spine muscles as you lift up one arm and, and pull, put that hand back on the ground and pull the other side. Right. You're really trying not to wiggle your hips as you're doing it. It's right. hard. It's yeah, really so it's hard. a plank on dumbbells or, or kettlebells is even more advanced with the push-up and then the, yeah, the single-arm mm-hmm. row alternating. Great, great movement. Uh, another really good one is the Turkish get-up. Mm-hmm. Um, more complicated movement, but... One that's so, so good. Again, every muscle in the body is being used to, to do this. Um, and then what else? We have man makers, which are similar to a renegade row. Plus you add in uh, like, like a, a squat, cl- like squat, a squat clean, clean thruster. Thruster. Yeah, those are complicated. Yeah, those are tough. You can't do very many of those before you need a break. That's for sure. Um, and then also the plank walk is kind of a unique one too, where you're, again, in a plank position and your your feet are on a disc or something that slides easily on a, on the surface you're on, and then you are like pulling yourself while walking on your hands. Yeah, I sort of liken it to like a seal on the ice as they're right pulling themselves across the ice towards the water. And yeah, you, you look kind of silly, but um, lots of shoulder stability. Yeah, and this can bother my wrists sometimes, so I have to ease into that movement. Okay, fair enough. And like you said, we have our on our YouTube channel um, sessions. Six Sport Performance, which will evolve into weight endurance here at some point, um, has all videos of all these exercises mm-hmm. as part of the, the plan here. Um, so those are great, core to extremity. Um, and some other things that change are, are the main strength set. Right. We maintain deadlift and back squat, but we have them on alternating days as opposed to both on both days of the week. Right. Um, and they become... A little more maintenance oriented, although especially if you're newer to the strength training, it's possible you'll still continue to gain strength mm-hmm. the way it's designed. Um, but like I know for me personally, because I've been doing this for many years, I tend not to gain much more strength, but I definitely maintain the strength that we've gained to this point with those once a week back squat, once a week deadlift. Um, and that's the- specifically programmed that way because... You don't want to wear people out too much for the bike workouts. Right. Is that correct? Yeah. It keeps your legs a little fresher for the bike workouts as they get harder. And then we also add in um, the new stuff, which is the stability sets. Which Which you love. Which I love, which includes um, one day is a hip hinge variation, so a deadlift variation. And then the other day is a knee extension variation um, or essentially a squat variation. So these are very very much also... I think all of them kind of more unilateral, mm-hmm. meaning it's like you're working one leg at a time, um, with the exception of a kettlebell swing. But um, things like uh, good split stance, good morning. Well, that's more of a unstable foot position. So there's the right. good morning exercise where it's like a bow, um, you know, holding weight of some sort. This time, instead of having your feet in sort of the squat position, you have one foot in front of the other very similar to when you're on a bicycle descending, you have one foot in front mm-hmm. of the other, um, and you do the good morning movement, and it really lights up your hamstrings. In fact, everyone was complaining, weren't they? Sore yeah, hamstrings. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> this week. Um, <laughs> well, sore glutes as well from the um, quick walking lunges, which which we will get to. 
um, yeah, so we have these three different variations. Uh, so hip hinge, it's the, the split stance good morning, a single leg Romanian deadlift, which awesome. is a classic movement, one. and then the kettlebell swing is just a great hip power it's, movement. Um, it's a beautiful movement. Yeah. Um, and then for the knee extension or squat variation, we have um, a single arm overhead Four. kettlebell yeah. squat. Well, let me talk about that one for yeah, a second. We did that on um, Wednesday. So we had a barbell deadlift as the the main strength move. And then the complementary movement for the squat version was this single arm squat. So your, your feet are on the ground. You're still squatting like a normal squat. But you have a, a weight on one side of your body. And it's written that you have two options. You can put the, the bell or the, the dumbbell or the kettlebell overhead with your elbow locked out and really stable, or you can hold that bell in a front rack position where okay. your elbow is out and the bell's resting on your, your right. bicep or your deltoid. Okay, this one is tough, and people need to be very careful. Not everybody has the shoulder mobility, stability, or strength to hold a weight overhand. Right, that is difficult. So you need to try this with zero weight, with a pretend weight in your hand that goes overhead. Before you add any weight. Because there's a lot of balance involved too, right? Yeah, I, I just don't know if it's balance is the problem though. I think it's more of strange mobility issues people have. Okay. And and I I can't fix the problems necessarily because I'm not a physical therapist. I just can't look at someone and go, oh, you're doing this wrong or unsafely because X, Y, and Z. Okay. I can just say, oh, dear God, no, don't, <laughs> don't do that. Like... I don't want you to get hurt. Like, this doesn't make sense. You need to put that bell back down to your front rack position and see if we can do that correctly. Okay. Um, basically, what happens when people put a bell overhead and they can't do it well, their their body twists very oddly. Twisting, yeah. yeah, like one guy <clears throat> in class had his knee... The, okay, so he had a weight overhead in his right hand, and as, as he squatted down, his right knee twisted in. Huh. Like crazily okay so no like something's not working there let's right stop. interesting but he was totally fine with it on the front rack position okay. and some people just don't have the thoracic mobility probably they're i'm sorry that the shoulder mobility but probably it's because their thoracic spine's not mobile right which goes back to kind Opening of that yeah thoracic spine yeah um so just be really careful with that uh don't push it if there's no point just put the bell back down to your shoulder. Okay. That's a really good tip as people try these out. Yeah. Um, and then other knee extension variations are the Bulgarian split squat. Love that one. So that's like sort of like a lunge, but your foot's elevated on a bench or a box mm-hmm. behind you. Um, yeah, really good one. Doesn't take much weight to get that one burning. And then um, a single leg squat or pistol squat, um, which often we do, a because those are difficult, mm-hmm. pistol squats. Um, we have people use... A, like a 12-inch box that they stand on with one foot essentially hanging off, and then you kind of lower down and tap the ground and stand back up. Yeah, that's one modification. The other one that I think works just as well is um, put like a weightlifting bench behind you um, with one leg straight out, and you are just squatting down on one leg, and you tap your butt or plop down if you're not quite ready just to tap and you come back up okay i used to practice these at home on my couch when i was oh, really okay. trying to get the pistol squat so you yeah. kind of picture like i'm going to sit backwards on my couch with one leg up and, and if i up. fall over i'm not going to hurt myself because i'm falling on this on the couch right but it really forces you to recruit so many like supporting yeah 
muscles in your hips to, exactly. to maintain form. Yeah, and that's really the underlying point or purpose of all these stability exercises is it really lights up all those little small muscles. Mm-hmm. So, so for many weeks, if you've been following our program, we've been training the big muscles, our quads, our glutes, our hamstrings, to do deadlifts and squats with a barbell. And now we're mixing it up and like, especially the first couple times you do these, your muscles might be like, whoa, what are we doing? Like now I'm recruiting all these like minor muscles mm-hmm. to help me do this with one leg or one arm. And it's really something. It's really something. And yeah. people need to go start very lightweight yes. on these complementary movements. Um, on Wednesday when we had the, the overheads, one leg, the one arm overhead squat in class, I just said people go super lightweight because you're going to feel like your rectus spinae muscles firing like crazy, your QL, which runs along like the top of your pelvis, um, firing and you don't want to tweak or twist something funny. Right, right. So start super lightweight. Super light, yeah, exactly. And then you you get stronger very quickly with these and I just think it carries over to the dynamic movements on the bicycle so much and running as well. Um, It makes us just that much better of a You know what's great about learning these movements too? Is if you are traveling for work or pleasure and you have only a hotel gym Mm. or um, kind of a janky rec center to go to, Mm -hmm. you're not going to find nice barbells. You're going to have to be creative and use boxes, benches, kettlebells, dumbbells to do a squat and hip hinge um, set. It doesn't have to be as much weight and all that. Right. You don't need much weight at all. You could do some of these as body weight movements. Yep. But... Learning these movements adds to your arsenal of strength routines you can do on your own. Good. Yeah, that's a great point. Love it. Love it. So we'll be doing these for the next, well, I guess, seven weeks moving forward, cycling through these different movements and getting stronger and more stable. And that's the ultimate goal yep. in this third phase. Um, and then the last thing that's a little new um, in phase three is the power sets get more uh, demanding, I mm-hmm. guess, is intense. The best. intense. So we've built up strength over, you know, many weeks before the new year. And now we're transitioning that strength into stability, but also quicker, powerful movements. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have three main power movements. I thought and, we had four. Oh, sorry. You're right. We have four and they're set up in sort of a, a in a Tabata format. So anyone that's not familiar with the Tabata format, it's Essentially, 20 minutes of... 20 seconds. Sorry, yeah. (laughs) 20 minutes. 20 seconds of work. work. So doing the reps over and over for, you know, at a quick pace for 20 seconds. And then you get a 10-second rest break where you just sort of stand there and catch your breath. Right. Um, It's a classic way to do high-intensity. Yeah. Yeah. So it's 20 on, 10 off. Yeah, and a true Tabata is four minutes. Right. But we start people out at two minutes and then build up to the... Absolutely. I think we build up to like five. Which I have to make fun of myself as I did not read our spreadsheet correctly on Monday. I was super tired and I I had everybody do... um, Four minutes? Four minutes. Oh, the actual Tabata? Oh my God. Day one, nice. Day one. (laughs) Hey, you've taken two weeks off and I'm an idiot and we're going to do four minutes of our walking lunges. Oh my God. Okay, wow. Shoot. I I got so many texts like, Darren texted me. I'm so sore. Oh my gosh, my glutes are so sore. <laughs> but no one like, else caught it. No one caught it. So uh, I'll take the blame, but uh, yeah. Shame on them Shame. for not catching you, right? <laughs> but the point of that story is this. That's why you don't do too much. You start easier than you think. Right. Yeah, because these will, they don't feel bad in the moment, but right. the next day you definitely notice. Um, so yeah, so to start, 
the first time through each of the four movements is two minutes of 20 seconds on, 10 seconds Which off. Which means you do four sets of work. Right, so four sets of work. And then it progresses um, to three minutes. To three and, and then, then eventually four. four. And I think we get to a couple of them at five near the end. Um, so it, it'll build upon itself. But yeah, it includes um, walking lunges mm -hmm. with little to no weight. Um, wall ball shots, which is like a, a, a popular CrossFit movement where you're throwing a medicine ball up on the wall, catching it, going up and down in a squat as you do so. Um, box jumps. Mm -hmm. um, and then a slam ball complex, which is sort of hard to explain on a podcast. But again, we have videos of all these movements on our YouTube channel. Um, but it's very much like quick pace. It's relatively lightweight, little mm -hmm. to no weight. In fact, box jumps, it's just your body weight. Walking lunge, just your body weight or very small dumbbells. Wall ball, you know, they're typically, what, 10 to 20 pounds? 10, 14, 20. Yeah. Um, and then the slam balls, <coughs> pardon me, are also like 15 to 25 pounds typically. Yeah. Um, so not a lot of weight involved here, but it's about being like quick, fluid movements mm -hmm. um, for those 20 seconds. And so like for the walking lunges, I think most people, what do they get, like 16 steps? Uh, I think I did 14. 14 steps. I'm not super fast with those, but okay. that's about what I got. And then you take your little break, and then you repeat it, take your little break, repeat it, mm -hmm. um, and go through. So these are great because it, again, it's transferring. I like to think of it as transferring the strength we've gained in the gym, which mm -hmm. is usually done slowly and very controlled. And speeding it up a little. So we're reducing the resistance quite a bit, but speeding things up. Um, you also get a lot of the... Um, uh, I'm blanking on the word. I can't believe it. The lowering... Oh, the eccentric. Yeah, the eccentric uh, I was trying to read movement. your mind. Okay, but you did the hand motion. Yep. Because <laughs> I think that's what makes... I get sore. Anytime I do any kind of lunges, I get so sore the next day. Well, I was more sore from the wall me. ball shots, my adductors, like the muscles that run along the inside of your legs. Okay. That, that's what got me. Yeah. So everyone's a little different. But the eccentric movement of catching the wall ball into the squat. Well, that's probably and, what it did to my adductors. Right. The lowering and quickly. lowering yourself in a lunge and jumping off of the box mm -hmm. for a box jump. You know, all those sorts of eccentric movements that we don't get a lot of cycling. Uh, that's one of the benefits of running for the runners out there. Um, you do get that. But in cycling, we don't have eccentric movement. So yeah. it's a really good thing to have in our arsenal and train to make us more balanced and then also more powerful. So um, it's kind of fun. It mixes things up, makes you a little more sore in a little different ways, but not <laughs> not excess, excessively sore. So um, yeah. good. So that's kind of the, the nutshell of phase three in our strength program. So hopefully that made sense to people and... Um, following it. And if you're not following it, it sounds like something you want to do. Check out the link in the show notes and you can jump on board, either buy one of our stock, uh, base builder training programs or jump into our remote base builder plan and be doing exactly what we're doing in class. Yeah. What's six. the discount code for our podcast listeners? Yeah. So base builder 25, all caps, um, will get you 25% off in the training peak store on the stock plan. Okay. So, and I'll put that in the show notes as well. Um, and uh, you can get going with your training because it is January. I mean, our racing, we're, our first race is two months away. Oh, I mean, that's earlier than most people in Colorado because we're going to go down to either Arizona or California and get some March racing. But Oh, Lordy. I mean, it's me around nervous. the bend. Yeah, the race season's around the bend. Um, so it's time to definitely, if you're not training already, get yourself training. So um, very good. I think we'll leave it at that. Um, if you like what you're listening to, definitely subscribe to us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Uh, we're also available on Google Podcasts. 
And um, we'd love to get more ratings, uh, five stars ideally, in, in the iTunes. Um, and if you feel inclined, leave us a, a little review. All those things help us kind of gain search functionality. Yeah, and we'd really appreciate Exposure it. and a bigger reach. So um, cool. We'll leave it at that. Yeah, thanks, for thanks listening. so much for listening. And Have we'll, a great weekend. Yeah, we'll talk to you guys again next week.